Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis through the lens of sustainability on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing solar and green hydrogen. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm delighted to be joined by Edward Lees, co-head of the Environmental Strategies Group. Welcome back, Ed, and thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me on the show today, Daniel. So we think about the macro context right now, and of course, it's not just what's happening with interest rates or growth, but also, uh, if we can say it, one of the, the benefits uh, of the conflict in the Ukraine is a renewed emphasis and focus on renewable energy and an appreciation uh, of the need and the urgent need, really, to develop these technologies as quickly as possible and to make them available. But let's actually start with the macro. Uh, we've had just really mind-boggling moves in, in real interest rates over the course of the year, uh, huge changes in expectations for policy rates, both in Europe and the U.S. We've recently got another above expectations inflation print in the U.S. Uh, it goes on and on. So, Ed, for the companies that you invest in, how have all these swirling cross-currents affected your investments? Yes, Daniel, you're absolutely right. I mean, what a tumultuous time. There is no shortage of things going on, whether it's geopolitical or, or economic around, around rates and, and inflation. So, indeed, this does affect us in a number of ways. I guess the, the first thing to talk about, of course, is rates have gone up a lot. And uh, when that happens, it does two things that are challenging. First, of course, it impacts smaller companies or high growth companies, those that have uh, long duration cash flows, because we have to discount those at higher rates. So uh, companies that are higher multiple, companies that uh, have a lot of their promised earnings in the future will be discounted back more today and uh, will come under more pressure. Those valuations will come under more pressure. And that's something that we've uh, has been a theme, not just for our sector, but other uh, sectors like uh, some aspects of technology this year. So we have observed uh, that. It also uh, makes it harder to get financing. So if you are a company that is seeking to grow rapidly and you're going to need funding, you have to work that into your calculations. So those are uh, some of the challenges that we're trying to navigate. But there are also some opportunities. So the worry that, of course, the world is mired in right now is, is centered around inflation. Households are really feeling the pinch in terms of energy, in terms of food, particularly our energy, though. Of course, that has uh, some geopolitical causes behind it. So places that can offer us alternative means of supply, ways to maybe lessen some of those cost burdens are particularly valuable. And we would put forward that some of our sectors do that, that an EV, electric vehicle, can save you some money when you don't have to go to the pump and uh, and pay those higher prices, or indeed have to even try to, if you're in France, try to find the petrol that you need because the refineries are down. And simultaneously, you will pay less for your rooftop solar than you will for your, your power from the, the utilities, right, from the main grid. So uh, that's something that we can talk about a little bit more. So there's a bit of a, a push and a pull there. Uh, what is the outlook going forward? Well, on one hand, very broadly, 
the country's awareness now, the real pressing awareness that they should be self-sufficient in terms of energy is not going away. The idea that geopolitics really are something that are quite important in energy markets. So you have energy security is something that is firmly embedded, I think, now in the world's awareness. Uh, and that gives a structural tailwind for a lot of our space. So that's one thing. And then the, the second thing that the world is really looking at is inflation and when that peaks. And here it's interesting to note, I think if we're looking forward, two things. One, in an inflationary-led recession, it's really when rates peak that the equity market starts to recover. And PPI has been rolling over much more than CPI. From this level where PPI is, uh, going back to 1965, if we look out about uh, six months, we have gotten positive returns in the S&P. And we are starting to see some of the underlying drivers start to uh, uh, give us indication of some softening. So it'll be interesting to see when that peaks, but that's not yet. The latest inflation uh, print has told us we still have to be a bit more patient. So we're still in some tricky waters. And the other fly in the ointment is that the equity risk premium is still quite low, right? So so fixed income instruments offer more of a viable alternative. So uh, there is some push and pull going on here. We could be getting closer towards year end of the cusp of inflation expectations, but we have to sort of wait to see that. So it's a very interesting time. Of course, you want to time these pivot points perfectly. It's kind of hard to in our space. If you have a three to five year structural view, we think that averaging into this on a three plus year view is the right thing to do. So let's talk about some of the segments in particular. Uh, how about solar? Uh, are you seeing a change in the attitude of customers towards investing in solar given the high energy costs? Uh, or if we take the opposite tact, uh, has the Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S. made it more, more appealing? So how is that playing out? Uh, yes, Daniel, absolutely. It's a, a, a very important to mention the Inflation Reduction Act. One of the aspects of that was the uh, investment tax credits and producer tax credits, but particularly on the solar side, you know, we're looking at those tax credits as giving us 10 years of visibility. This is really important stuff. And there is, uh, as a result, unsurprising, a lot of demand for solar right now. We see a backlog with a lot of our uh, residential um, providers. You can't get enough batteries. You save, not only are you saving money by having a solar system versus what you're paying for just in the grid right now, but you're also getting security. And whether it's a forest fire or a big hurricane like Ian, more and more we have worries about blackouts and sometimes those are extended. And if you have your own home system, you can be insulated for some of that. So for all of those reasons, we see a structural growth market here going out for quite some time. Here, there are some flies in the ointment too. However, we have ongoing friction between the United States and China, particularly around forced labor issues and what this means for the scrutiny uh, that's being applied to solar panel shipments that come in from China that uh, those uh, therefore sometimes are being held up at the port. This tends to be more of an issue for utility scale solar. Uh, so there are some things that one has to look at at the utility scale side where they're looking for those real big volumes of panels. But so far those have worked out, it's been okay but it is something that one wants to keep a look at. at there is NEM 3.0 in California, which is interesting regulation coming that will start to just step down the uh, the benefits for the solar industry a bit as they've become obviously much more you know competitive and economically self-sufficient over the years. All of these things are consistent with a structural bull market, we think, a, a real growth market in solar broadly. But it's just to highlight that there are nuances in policy that one should be aware of. But all of it really does pale, I would say, in the face of the structural support of the IRA uh, legislation. 
Let's end up with green hydrogen. Now, I think that's increasingly being seen as a promising industry uh, development. So what is the role that green hydrogen plays in the energy transition? So green hydrogen is an interesting one, uh, and it plays a fairly broad role. Uh, I'll also say it's at a slightly younger stage. So the comments I just made from the IRA and the uh, the structural support uh, that the solar industry is getting, well, the hydrogen industry is getting it too, and, and they're getting it in the form of a three dollar per kilogram green hydrogen tax credit. That is really meaningful. You know, so the world uses a lot of hydrogen today. It's just made through steam methane reforming. It relies on hydrocarbons, uh, so it's not particularly green. But there's a lot, a lot of it, and it's much cheaper to produce than doing it from solar, which is, of course, green hydrogen. But that tax credit really levels the playing field in a big way. However, the devil's in the detail. Because it's new, it has to be uh, discussed a bit more. The details have to be ironed out with the IRS. So it'll take a little bit of time, I think, for the market to really understand how that gets applied in the same way. But it is a big deal. So, so those are two broad things to say there. And where will it be applied? Well, people think about transportation, but it's much more, I think, about industry. On the transportation side, taking that first, there has been uh, efforts to try to look at uh, hydrogen uh, fuel cell uh, cars in Asia. Uh, but really, hydrogen comes into its own when you're talking about longer range when you're talking about heavier duty applications, kind of heavy transport. And that's because batteries don't really scale up that high. Uh, batteries start to take up too much of the weight of the overall entity. And also if you need fast charging, uh, you know, it, it would take you a, a long time to get the power to charge, say, for example, a cruise liner or a big ship being fueled by batteries. Whereas if you do that with hydrogen, it actually is functional. So we, we tend to think semi-trucks, uh, maybe even some uh, mid-sized trucks and above. So trains, you know, Alstom is working on hydrogen trains, ships. There's a number of companies looking at that and airplanes. All of that really makes sense. But it's industry where it gets really exciting. You know, it's, it's using hydrogen in producing green steel, in cement. A lot of places where we use gray hydrogen can be replaced with green hydrogen in industrial settings. And that's where the real opportunity is to reduce our carbon footprint. All very exciting. Ed, thanks very much. Let me summarize some of the key points so you acknowledge that uh, it is a challenging environment. High rates has had an impact on valuations. It affects the financing or the, the ability to get financing for some of these companies. But uh, if there is a silver lining, the high inflation has made industries such as, say, electric vehicles that can help you offset some of the burden from inflation are certainly that much more attractive. Uh, and in general, the conflict in the Ukraine has just renewed everyone's commitment to energy security. If we talk about some of the particular industries, uh, you highlighted how the Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S. is providing tax credits, which is certainly encouraging demand uh, for solar panels, but also importantly gives companies uh, longer visibility, which they need to make those investments. Uh, but of course, not everything is perfect. We have trade frictions between the U.S. and China. Uh, so of course, it's always a matter of uh, balancing the opportunities with the challenges that we face. And finally, to end up on green hydrogen, a younger industry, but very promising, particularly when we think about transportation and heavy industry. Well, Ed, again, thanks very much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. And my, my cheap parting comment is that, uh, you know, what we really see now are a growing list of, uh, of, of legislative uh, initiatives that give us 
10, not just 10, but 10, 20, 30 year visibility on, on uh, potential strong growth themes. Because the 2030 targets that these governments are talking about, the 2050 targets um, uh, imply a huge amount of activity across these industries that we've just mentioned, particularly hydrogen. Great summary. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our new website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. If you like Talking Heads, leave us a positive review and a nice rating. We recommend subscribing to Talking Heads on your favorite podcast channel. You'll receive your podcast episode every Monday afternoon. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris, and Edward Lees, co-head of the Environmental Strategies Group. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.